0: title of today's sermon is Love, Love, Love. Pretty good word for a kickoff Sunday. It was the Beatles that said it and sang it best. All you need is love. All you need is love. You hear the little da-da-da-da-da. All you need is love, love. Love is all you need. That song was written specifically for the international television broadcast, Our World, shown in 17 countries around the world on July 25, 1967. The idea was to create the world's first international live broadcast using then new satellite technology. The Beatles were approached to write and perform a new song for the live broadcast. In two weeks, John Lennon came up with this song, supposedly constructed around a one, the one word every language understood, love. The BBC had suggested the idea of using new satellite relays to connect national television networks of countries across the world to make up a live link-up on a scale previously unknown. Young people today, millennials today, are thinking, what's the big deal? We do that all the time. This was a huge deal. The Beatles were the natural choice to represent Britain, and they decided to compose a new song, especially for the broadcast. This ambitious program entitled Our World, the world's first global television program linking five continents simultaneously by satellites orbiting the Earth. All you need is love. It was an inspired song and they really wanted to give the world a message. The nice thing about it was that it cannot be misinterpreted. It was a clear message thing that love is, well, all you need. Rolling Stone ranked All You Need is Love number one in their all-time greatest songs of the Beatles. Paul's version of the song was much more complex and layered and specific. Not Paul McCartney. Paul the persecutor of the Jews back when his name was Saul until he had a major conversion experience on the road to Damascus, he changed his ways and became a follower of the way of Jesus and the first serious missionary spreading the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ throughout the land by starting churches left and right and keeping in touch with them and soliciting many others to help help him out for the cause of Christ. That's the Paul I'm talking the one that made a change, a change of heart, a change of words, a change of action, proving that even the most vigilant, passionate, aggressive, negative, vicious attacker of the Jesus way could change. That's what the way of Jesus is supposed to do to you. The way of Jesus is supposed to change you from the inside out. Change is possible. Now, I guess that can go either way, though. One can choose to change from hate to love, or I suppose one can move from love to loathing. Just keep in mind that the way of Jesus is always the call to move towards love. Always. 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 So listen to yourself when you talk. I caught myself just this morning, less than an hour ago, ranting and raving and venting to Dan, hate when I have to practice what I preach. So I called myself out, and Dan said, it's okay, being gracious as he is, it's a lofty ideal. Well, it is a lofty ideal. It's one worth pursuing. So, listen to yourself when you talk. Call yourself out when you are spewing anything but love. Watch yourself when you act. Read yourself when you post. I want to say that one again loud and in a loving way. Read yourself when you post. Are you speaking with love? Are you acting with love? Are you writing with love? Everyone calls the 13th chapter of the first letter to the church in Corinth, the love chapter. Russ did it today when he was telling you what your line was, the greatest pleas of love. He called it the love chapter, and he didn't even know I was going to say this. You hear it most often, this love chapter, at weddings, though it was not written for that occasion. I guess it's an apt description of 1 Corinthians 13 to call it the love chapter because it tells us what love is. Love is patient and kind. And then it tells us a bunch of things that love is not. It's not envious, boastful, arrogant, or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful, and it doesn't rejoice in wrongdoing. It just, well, love never ends. And the closer of this love chapter says, Now faith, hope, and love abide these three. But the greatest of these is love. I'll give it to you. It's a good love chapter but Paul outdid himself with Romans chapter 12. It's so much more than what love is and what love is not. In our text for today, Romans chapter 12, verses nine through 21, Paul discharges a rapid fire exhortation list that just fly right by without much connection or clarification. It just is what it is. It doesn't need a lot of explaining, just a lot of doing. Just a few verses before the ones I'm going to read to you today, the few verses that Russ preached from just last week, from the beginning of chapter 12, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that set up this barrage of commands and demands about love, I guess Paul supposes that once you have been transformed, then here's your to-do list. There are, depending on the English translation one is using, upwards of 30 imperatives on love that I'm about to read to you. All of the verbal forms in these imperatives are plural. The words that I'm about to read to you are a window on what life in Christ looks like in community. Mary Hinkle Shore wrote a commentary on this text, and she says, One is tempted to imagine Paul saying with his syntax, Don't try this alone. His advice is addressed to a bunch of people, and much of it concerns their shared life. As God shapes the shared life of the saints, that life is characterized by genuine love. So as I read this rapid-fire list of what I count as 29 properties of love, I want you to think about your communities, your family, including your family of origin. Your work team. Think about your neighborhood. Think about your friend group. Think about your church. And dare we expand this notion of community to include our city, our nation. What about the whole wide world? Here's how Paul puts it, and he gets very specific. You want to know what love looks like? You want to know how love acts? Ask no more. Here you go. This should be a good start to keep you busy for a while. Might I advise you, buckle up. Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal. Be ardent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Patient in suffering. Persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Extend hospitality to strangers. Bless those who persecute you. Do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Don't be haughty. Associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. If it is possible, so far as it depends on you, and it does, live peaceably with all. Never avenge yourselves. If your enemies are hungry, feed them. If your enemies are thirsty, give them something to drink. Do not be overcome by evil. Overcome evil with good. 29 by my count. I'm going to read them to you again. This time, I want you to listen with a very intent purpose. I want you to listen for the ones that you resist. And then I want you to listen for the ones that challenge you the most. But also listen for the ones that come naturally to you and do more of that than ever. Listen for the ones that make you cringe to even think about doing it. This is so much more than a list of what love is and what is not. This is a specific and detailed listing of what love looks like and what love acts like. Paul addresses how we love the community, how we love those in need, how we love our enemies, and then basically how we just love everybody. The circle of those to whom Christians relate in genuine love expands finally to include everyone in verse 18. So far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Back to Mary Hinkle Shore's commentary on this text. She says one of the most common outcomes of defining a group over against others and in its environment is that insiders to the group believe that they receive particular benefits while outsiders are left out. You know, frequent flyer people get upgraded to business class. Employees of the month get better parking spaces. Members get discounts, and on and on it goes, but the distinctions are absent in the ethic that Paul describes. The Christian ethic of Romans 12 results finally in relationships marked by humble, generous love, no matter the character or status of those to whom Christians relate. If you think the concept of love is too big to understand, well, Paul breaks it down for you in 29 easy steps. And the implication is we have to do all of them. All of them. Because it's too much to take in with just one reading. Let each one of these stand alone, but yet hear their connectedness. Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection one another in showing honor. Don't lag in zeal. Be ardent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in suffering. Persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Extend hospitality to strangers. Bless those who persecute you. Do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. I love it when he throws in an easier one. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty. Associate with the lowly. Don't claim to be wiser than you are. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Take thought for what is noble in the sight of all if it is possible so far as it depends on you and it does live peaceably with all never avenge yourselves if your enemies are hungry feed them if your enemies are thirsty give them something to drink do not be overcome by evil Overcome evil with good. I found an article that Barbara Brown Taylor wrote entitled, It's Hard to Hug a Bully. It's her take on this text. She says in Romans 12, Paul preaches his own version of the Sermon on the Mount. In 13 short verses, he turns out about 30 instructions, all of them meant to put flesh on the bones of Christ's one commandment of love. Paul had good reason for going to so much trouble. Here's the backstory of why Paul wrote this. The church in Rome was splitting apart in at least two different ways. Inside, there was a conflict in the church between Jewish and Gentile Christians. And outside the church, there was a conflict conflict between Christian and non-Christian Romans. There were black eyes and bad feelings all over the place. Does this sound familiar? Does it sound contemporary? Does it sound current? Now, as far as I know, not inside Park Road Baptist Church. Thank you for that. But out there, oh my. Barbara Brown Taylor says there's nothing sentimental or the least bit easy about any of this. There is not even a guarantee that it will work, but one thing is for sure. When we repay evil with evil, evil is all there is in bigger and more toxic piles. The only way to reverse the process, she says, is to behave in totally unexpected ways, blessing the persecutor, feeding the enemy, embracing the bully breaking the vicious cycle by refusing to participate in it anymore. That is what love is, Paul says. It's not a warm feeling between like-minded friends, but it's plain old imitation of Christ, who took all the meanness of the world and ran it through the filter of his own body, repaying evil with good, blame with pardon, death with life, Call it, she says, reverse divine psychology. It worked once, it can work again, and whenever God can find someone else willing to give it a try. Would you be willing to give it a try? I have never known a time when it is more needed. Don't you feel it? The hate? The anger, the frustration, the division, the fear, the rage, the disappointment, the blaming, the anxiety, the horribleness of it all. From natural disasters like wildfires and hurricanes to controversies over mask wearing to partisan presidential ugliness, To what? To racial injustice where the hurt and the rage filled the streets. To what to do about schools. To murder hornets. All of that in the middle of a global pandemic. We have never needed love, love, love more than we do today. All of that is too much for our systems to take in. We were not built to manage all of this. There's only one way out. Love. And this is what love looks like and acts like. Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal. Be ardent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in suffering. Persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Extend hospitality to strangers. Bless those who persecute you and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty. Associate with the lowly do not claim to be wiser than you are do not repay anyone evil for evil take thought in what is noble in the sight of all if it is possible so far as it depends on you and it does live peaceably with all beloved never avenge yourselves if your enemies are hungry feed them if your enemies are thirsty give them something to drink do not be overcome by evil overcome evil with good my dear beloved friends Fix your eyes on Jesus. May it be so. Amen.